Is that my cue? Hey, you know what? Your cue's whenever you want. You just tell me when you're ready. All right, let's giddy up here. The national edition of the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. We are live and in color. It's really all national hours now because there's no more Leafs. Kipper, um, can I get a detailed line-by-line breakdown of the St. Louis Blues versus the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight? (laughs) (laughs) How does your forecheck stack up against Uh, the the regroup? It is coming up. All right. Well, listen, wherever you are watching and listening, Sportsnet, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, Sportsnet 960 in Calgary, we're glad you're with us. Mm -hmm. It's All-Star Week here. This hour of Real Kipper and Born brought to you by Bet365. Got a terrific lineup in this hour including P.K. Subban, who I taught when he was like seven years old. Did you teach him to win Norris trophies? I did. You're a pretty good teacher. At the Toronto Professional Hockey School with Chico. Really? Yes. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Yes. How long did you do that? Did you coach? Uh, Every every year I'd go to the camp for a few days. Oh, I was still playing for the Leafs. Were you getting, doing it for money? Oh no, Kipper did it for free. Yeah, you think I want to? Go, you think I want to <laughs> well, go? First, hey, no, first you think I, you, I know you, the man, but I just can't get. He's making you, NHL money. He's going to make a thousand bucks to do, teach people to skate. Do, do you really think I would take uh, a day off my summer to go find a eight year old PK Subban? Fun, fun fact: I taught hockey schools every summer myself, and I uh, taught Shea Weber to skate single handedly. Oh, the camp and i can't say that wow I, yeah, all right I'm like two well, years older if you had so not taught them the least would have beat them in the playoffs the least have been stanley cup champions Butterfly <laughs> hey did, did i just get one upped yeah i think you might <laughs> I don't know. By do you G- like jb Weber? Who uh, do you like? well they both they traded for each other i know and he broke that story yes i did a lot <laughs> of synergy going oh on in this God, hour boys. that's what happens when there's no hockey before we get to pk suban let's w- bring in frank saravelli who uh He's done a terrific job uh, on our show on occasion, and he will again in the next few minutes to tell us what's going on behind the scenes and what we can expect. Frank, thanks for do- jo- <laughs> thanks for joining us and doing this. I'm all tongue-tied because you're a big insider star. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Kipper, Borny, good to be with you guys. Hey, Sam. Good, Hi, to, good to see you. All right. Um, we just had Jason York on talking Ottawa Senators, and I'll, I'll come to you uh I know it's not much of a secret that that Steos is out there making a ton of calls and would like to kind of shake things up. But what is realistic here and, and what is the latest? Uh, you know, I know our buddy Elliot Friedman mentioned this Saturday night about Chris Tanov and Ottawa, and I've yet to hear a good reason on why they would go get Tanov now. I'm actually kind of confused why you would want to get Chris Tanev moving forward. And look, that's not a knock on, on Chris Tanev and his game. I'm just thinking about where the Sens are and where they're building to. Everyone appreciates Chris Tanev and his leadership and certainly his warrior mentality. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking this team faster, bigger, stronger, all those things that go with it. Yeah. You need to defend properly and all that, but I kind of like, um, you know, where this team is heading and the, some of the foundational pieces that they've put in place. To me, when you consider where Ottawa's going, the number one question that I think Steve Steos, Dave Poole, and Ryan Bonus have to answer is, 
who are our core pillars? And if we have anyone that's out of place, how can we make the proper adjustments to get ourselves in a better spot moving forward? Because the the addition that, you know, the way that they've pieced things together, mostly under a previous regime, it, it's not working. This team is, you know, neck and neck with the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are a disaster in their own right, in terms of the standings in the Eastern Conference. And they've got a long way to go to get from, where they are now to being a playoff team and then to take a bigger step from playoff team to threat, it, it feels a long way off. And so surgery is required. Yeah. And just one, one more thing on Tanov. He's, he's got some sort of uh, trade protection. I, I don't think he'll, he'll lift it to go to a team that's going to be missing the playoffs this year. It just, it just makes no sense. Go get him in the summer. If you want to pay him and maybe perhaps overpay him to get him. Yeah, and that's that's I think a point well made. If, if you're Chris Tanev, you you want to go to a contender, and if you know you want to be part of building something else after the fact, and they're willing to pay you handsomely, a la uh, I think of Alex Kalorn going to the Ducks, or you know name a vet going somewhere else that gets paid a little extra to help be that guy, then that's great. But if not, um, stick to the teams that are squarely in the playoff race. Well, speaking of teams that aren't squarely in it, but are kind of in it, the Leafs and Penguins, the two Kyle Dubas-tied teams, have some choices to make. We've had the debate here in Toronto, buyers or sellers. I know there's some debate going on down there, buyers, sellers. You know, I'll get you to weigh in on both clubs if I could. You know, where do you see these teams in terms of what direction? Is this the year for these teams to get aggressive and go for it? I don't think it's the year for either team to get aggressive, but I think they're in two totally different, like they may be close in the standings, yeah. but are heading in two totally different directions. And that's really the tough part. I'll start with Pittsburgh just because it's almost like, think about sitting around the poker table. They've got so much committed to this pot this year right. with the contracts for Malkin and for Latang, Plus now already having traded your first round pick to get, you know, all these years of Eric Carlson at 10 million bucks. And, and not all of that has worked out you know, they've made and committed significant resources to this group right now. I think you owe them the longest runway possible to present themselves as a playoff team and certain metrics look really good and others like they, they probably should be in a better position than they are right now. Mm-hmm. And with the Leafs, um, I think in the standings based on the way this team is built and, and structured and most of it again from Kyle Dubas they're kind of exactly where they should be. I don't think this team right now has the pieces and this is not breaking news and it's not even new news for this year has the pieces on their own blue line to be considered, considered a true Stanley cup contender. And until that's rectified, you know, they can have all the talent in the world up front, but if you can't defend, you can't win. And that's saying nothing of some of the question marks that exist in net. You can do surgery but how much of it can you get done already with the limited assets that you have from the aggressive posture that they've taken the last few years, these things all begin to add up at a certain point and you're left with not just little cap space, although they have some LTIR room to play with, but really more so limited resources and prospects and picks to go out and even really make a difference. We're talking to Frank Cervelli. Hockey Insider, president of hockey content for Daily Faceoff. So, uh, depending on on where you feel on uh, the UFA market, uh, 
potentially a guy named Steven Stamkos can still put the puck in the net, still get a point a game. We heard uh, their management team in, in Tampa Bay, Breezebois mentioned that he ain't going anywhere here, but there's no guarantees that he's retiring a Tampa Bay Lightning either. Where do you see this heading? So I don't want to make too bold of a proclamation. No, you can. You can on our show. I will come back on your show and I will eat a stick of butter live if (laughs) Steven Stamkos is not playing with the Tampa Bay Lightning next season. (laughs) That is bold. We've done this dance before. Like We've already all been through this. We've watched the game and how it's played back and forth. You know, I say one thing, you say another. And for the most part, like think back to the interview process, nearly potentially becoming a Toronto Maple Leaf. Like it wasn't that long ago. It feels like yesterday in some ways. And I get his frustration. He goes like, look, I've been playing at a high level at this age. I've helped deliver two Stanley cups to this market. What more do you need from me to sign me to a deal? I think what we're looking at is for someone that is playing at a high level, probably not going to take that much to get him re-signed to stay in Tampa, especially with the tax differences. So I'm saying he's... Give me more detail than that, though. He's making eight and a half. Is it dropped to six and a half? Or are they going to try to... Does does three times six not get it done? Like... where he's at at this stage in his yeah. career? Even the Malkin contract or Claude Giroux in Ottawa, something like that? Uh, I mean, any one of those would work. Yeah. Tampa clearly has the ability to get it done. And when you stack up six and a half or six or pick whatever number you want compared to what it would cost to equal that in Toronto or wherever else, just pick a hypothetical market. Yeah. He's do he'll be doing just fine. I can't it can't be about the money. It has to be about legacy, which is why I'm willing to bet the stick of butter. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an arbitrary thing. I love it. They're not um, candy. Like you can't go with like a box of candy bars or something. A stick of butter. I like that. He means business. I, I mean, I'm just like a stick of butter to eat is kind of gross. So I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> think like gross. I could get graphic if you want. I mean, we could do one of those things where like you go to, uh, I don't know, pick a restaurant. Uh, I'd see this a lot of times with fantasy football. You got to sit there and you got to eat one pancake every hour and you got to stay <laughs> yeah, there yeah. until you eat well, listen, four. <laughs> on our show, we'll give you a, a bucket of popcorn at least. We can melt it for you. Yeah, exactly. Help you through it. The, um, you know, that's the, we're at that time of the year where you start to look at guys whose contracts are, are up and what's going to happen with this guy, that guy. Um, Montreal's not going anywhere. Sean Monahan's a name that comes up a little bit. Um, what sort of value would he have on the market, and is it likely for him to get traded? I think it is certainly likely that he's traded. I think the feeling and the interest in Montreal has been pretty amicable in the sense that you know they're on the same page with where this is heading. He's really enjoyed his time there. They've enjoyed having him, but they're in a position where they've got to harvest as many assets as possible. And it's such a smart play by Montreal. You take on Sean Monaghan. You already got a first round pick from Calgary for him in 2022. They worked with him through the rehab process, get him back last year is so tough. And then they re-sign him even after he misses the bulk of the year because of this exact moment, because they can, reap the rewards and they bet on Sean Monaghan and his ability to come back. He's having an excellent season and is in the conversation to be one of the NHL's comeback players of the year. So what can they get for him? I think, you know, historically, when you look at the comps, like you're dealing with 
a late first round pick Mm -hmm. 29, 30, 31, something like that based on his production this year, based on his ability to impact the game, 95th percentile and high danger shots created, you know, kills penalties fifth in the league and faceoffs among left-handed centermen. There's a lot of different assets or attributes to his game that look, he's not going to, uh, you know, take a Stanley cup contender and turn them into a favorite. But if you could slot Sean Monahan on your third line, I think you'd be doing pretty well. All the Leafs ears in here just went like this, like, Oh, tell me more. Kill penalties, create third line center. JB, you, you mentioned Pittsburgh. You can't mention Pittsburgh without Gensel. Um, my understanding, Frank, that there might've been something offered to him in the ballpark of 50 million, 8.5 times six. And, as of now, he's not signed. Let's just put it that way. So uh, more money. Will he get a better offer than that? Will Pittsburgh keep him despite not being signed? Where do you see this thing going? Yeah, that offer sounds short on term and short on dollars on AAD. You think he, want, you think he wants Damn eight much. years at 30 years of age? I would. I'd want 10. I mean, whatever the number you want max as much as you can get, because this is your big boy contract. I mean, this is the big one that he's going to earn for his career. And you know what? He's way far down on my trade targets board for a reason, because as mentioned, I think they need to give themselves every opportunity to play themselves into the playoffs. And then you've got the real hard question to ask if they're right on the cusp. But as it stands right now with the way that this team especially kind of slid into the all-star break, I'd have to think that, you know, if you were to inject some truth serum into Kyle Dubas, that he'd tell you that he needs to cash in on a big deal for for Jake Gensel to make this happen. I think if you're the Penguins, the last thing you want to do, it's to me, it's either you ride with Gensel into the playoffs or or you fall short or... You you got to trade him and cash in because why would you sign him to a a big number at the age of thirty as you mentioned to what be the best player on the thirty second place team for a period of five it's going to be a a long time until the Pittsburgh Penguins if they go two straight years now with all of these guys and miss the playoffs to then finally get to a stage again where they can be competitive it's going to take them two or three years to clean house. Without, again, your first-round pick this year, you want to try and jumpstart that process and get it moving in the right direction as soon as you can. And one of the ways to do that would be by moving what I believe would be the premier forward on the market. Yes, I said ahead of Elias Lindholm, mm. if Gensel indeed becomes available. Well, Dubas just has to get it going back in the right direction by about year five of his seven-year deal before his next deal comes up. So, you know, that's probably a consideration for him. Um was going to ask you who's going to be the most active Canadian team, but I feel like Calgary is going to do a whole lot. I'm mostly interested in Winnipeg and Vancouver, who are among the top teams in the NHL and seem like legitimate cup hopefuls right now. Do you see both of those teams being active in the market? I do, and and I think they're both certainly leaning towards being aggressive. I don't think Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley decided to sign long-term in Winnipeg to have Kevin Day off hoard draft picks. Right. I think this team has played like they deserve uh, a bit of an addition and upgrade. You can say the same thing about the Vancouver Canucks, although I would argue for a team that is really just kind of cracking the window open and doesn't have any sort of playoff success to speak of as a core, that 
as much as everyone wants Vancouver and, and it's certainly within Jim Rutherford's nature to be aggressive, I'd actually argue the other direction and say, you know what? You've got a really good team. Unless you're trading for someone that has term that you think can stick around for a while in van, I'd like to see them get some playoff experience and then sort it out and get, get all these contracts sorted out as well to know that you are going to have the best competitive window that you can for the next 10 years. That's how I view it. Winnipeg's different. They've got a bunch of older guys. Their youngest guy, Cole Perfetti, is the only guy on the roster under 23. Most of their defensemen are in that 29, 30, 31 range. They've got a couple, uh, you know, couple guys that at some point are going to be pending UFAs. They've got some questions to answer. And Connor Hellebuck, he's in the absolute heart of the prime of his career. So, with him playing as well as he is, this is probably the year to strike and take a chance. Vancouver can kind of play in the middle, but still get a uh, get rid of Kuzmenko's contract at uh, five and, and a half million, and and not sway off the path. Right? That's that's an easy kind of way to open up some room and go get another power forward. Well, yeah, I think the reason why you'd advocate for something like that is because it not just solves your problem this year at the deadline in terms of helping you add, but since he has one year left on his deal, it clears up five and a half million bucks next year that really also helps you out then. You know, the uh, the Canadian teams are talking about, um, you know, being active, and I kind of sloughed off Calgary there. You mentioned Lindholm quickly. Uh, is he, I mean, that's a big fish to me. That's someone that would be mean a lot to a lot of teams. How soon are they looking to be active and what sort of movement are we talking about? Tanev, Lindholm, are there others? I, I think they'd be willing to consider a whole host of things. I think part of Calgary's calculus here as they go into this deadline, it's, yeah, we want to stockpile draft picks and future assets, but we also want to try and get our hands on some players that might be able to help us here in the shorter term over these next two to three years, instead of just totally getting all futures and picks. So that's one part of it. Uh, How deep will the cuts go? Um, You know, it kind of feels like a foregone conclusion that Lindholm's on his way out and Tanev, the wild card is Hannafin. What happens there with his contract as they continue to talk? It's, you know, they're probably feeling a bit, uh, you know, I don't want to say uncomfortable with the way that this has dragged out, but they put their cards on the table and gave him what he asked for, and he still didn't sign it. Craig Conroy, you know, you would think theoretically is it, this all-star break, he's trying to get an answer one way or the other, yes or no, on, on Noah Hannafin. Are you coming back or not? Um, but that's sort of those three guys help shape, you know, the deadline and, and where Calgary is heading. And then the rest of it is about trying to put the pieces together to be competitive in a two to three year window. Hey, Frank, I don't want to, uh, you know, crush the excitement of every, uh, you know, of a trade deadline. Cause we know what it means to Sportsnet and TSN and, you know, you or me or anyone else that likes that kind of action, but I think it's going to kind of suck this year. <laughs> no. I don't don't think you're wrong. I I think, well, here's, I'll start off by saying this. What if an NHL GM said to me two days ago, what if you took Calgary's players off your board? What would we be looking at? And the answer is, you know, a bunch of question marks. Uh, Some guys that can help you, not guarantees, don't know what the prices look like. Is Jake Ensel available? Is he not? Um, you know, it would be a lot less interesting without the Calgary Flames. I can say that. And, 
You know, the other part too is I think there's some real soul searching to do for some of these Western conference teams that there's in my estimation, I'm going to include the Kings in there because I think they'll figure it out. There's seven really, really good teams. That means three excellent teams are losing in the first round. And as good as the Canucks have been, I could just as easily see them getting to the West final or the final as I could losing in the first round, depending on what that matchup is. It's going to be a real fight for the number one seed because that's the only easy first round matchup theoretically that there should be this year. Cause it's a pillow fight for the eighth seed. But short of that, it is an absolute meat grinder in the Western conference. And I just want to say yeah, yeah, yeah. that the reason why I say it's going to suck is it's salary cap. It's a locked tough year. in flat cap, still pandemic issues. This that's this all should, an excuse. This should be, I'm sorry. So it is. So I think it is. So if the cap, if the cap Stop goes up. Stop telling me how hard it is to make a trade when the Vancouver Canucks have made like five out of the last eight. But if, if the cap goes up, it, it invites more teams to go and, and make some moves. No? It will, of course. But in the meantime, get creative. Put on your thinking cap. Find solutions instead of tell me what the problems are. We're paying you millions of dollars a year as our GM to find them. Don't don't just sit here and fold your arms. I, 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 I like it. Oh, listen, I yell that on I'm, our show I'm good, every day. I'm good by that. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's impossible, except that it's not. Yeah, but, you know, are you, are you trying it's to make hard. your team better or are you trying to save your ass? Right. Well, Which one is I, it? Hey, look. That's that's the biggest thing. You know, I was listening to an NFL podcast uh, last week, and they said, what's the number one rule for NFL GMs? What's their goal? And everyone would think, oh, to win or to win the Super no. Bowl. And Stay it's, employed. No, it's to, see, it's yeah. to keep your job. Not get fired. And that's it. That's all GMs in, in, in hockey. For sure it is. Uh, last one for me, just a light and fluffy one. All-star game this weekend. You excited? How do you feel about the Toronto version of it compared to previous years? I'm excited because it has some juice. Like yeah. I remember leaving Florida last year thinking, oof, this was a really <laughs> rough weekend. It was nice scenery, great, yeah. you know, parties on the beach. It was awesome. But the hockey part was very painful and especially the, the skills golf? competition. Well, yeah, th- I mean, at least that was, I'd like to see some guys on a golf course, but the rest of it in the arena and they're cutting to the beach stuff that was shot a day ago. Like it's tough for the people that were in the building this year. This might be the best skills competition that we ever see uh, with the players having some autonomy, uh, the 11 best players in the world, plus JT Miller. (laughs) And, you know, you've got a a really interesting hockey market that eats, sleeps, and breathes it. Like, it should be pretty darn good. That's what happens when you get actually hockey people that know hockey in charge again. For sure. Uh, Canucks fans going to be mad at you, Frank. That's okay. I love JT Miller. It's just a fun joke to me. (laughs) JT Miller can play on my team any day. Oh, me me too. Me too. This JT Miller, not the one in the previous years. Current iteration JT Miller, (laughs) yeah. Frank, great stuff, man. Really appreciate it. See you guys. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Frank Cervelli. Yeah. the, um, The stick of butter thing is concerning. No one wants to see anyone eat a stick of butter. I do. You do? Absolutely. I don't know if that's good radio. <laughs> it's just good an TV. ASMR. It's good TV. It's good TV. Yeah, I mean, yeah. hopefully we're still <laughs> on TV. as our producer said. <laughs> yeah. Derek Brando said. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, everybody's got their thing. He's got butter on his mind. Hey, everyone, everyone has their thing. Fair enough. The, um, 
to talk about the trade deadline, I, I like his stance on just like it's it's harder to make trades. It doesn't mean there's nothing to be done. I'll give Dubas a lot of credit. He was really good in past years about using third teams as brokers to eat salary cap to make things happen that look challenging. Um, it's going to be interesting to see Gen- how aggressive teams are with that this year. Gensel's issue, and again, are you? Is it a money thing, or is there more to just? your next contract. If it's a money thing, then I, I, I'm sure it's going to be there for him in Pittsburgh. Well, I, I, I don't think know. it'll be with, there I, for him anywhere. I, I, I don't think he'll get eight years. Somewhere else? Or, or seven. Not, not at 30 years of age. I'm going to give him seven. You really believe that? I do actually believe that, yeah. Wow. You know, it's just that's the one thing you can do. Everyone's yeah. saying we'll give you six times, whatever, yeah. eight. We'll give you seven times eight. That's how you get him. Gensel's issue if he has turned down a, a significant offer, is like, what is this team going to look like in I two agree years? That that's his issue. Okay, it's not like, is Sid still going to be here? Malkin's not. Latang's not. How how Are, bad is this team going to be? Right. Am I going to be playing for future Chicago Blackhawks, you know, like it looks right now yeah. while you sort of tear it down? And you certainly hope not, but it's easy to envision Pittsburgh getting there. So. Let's break so we can get to PK. Do you have to do a read? Okay. Yeah, we can do it. I'll do it after PK. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And when we we return, it's PK Subin time on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. We await P.K. Subban, who's in town for the NHL All-Star Weekend. I'm just going to give it to him. We're getting him set up here, I think. Yeah, we are. Yeah? Have they buzzed in your ear? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. All right. Okay, there we go. As I was telling Sammy McKee and Justin Bourne, I've tried, like, for two years to get P.K. Subban to come on our show. And all I got was tell my people to tell your people to tell my people to tell your people that uh, (laughs) you want me on my show. And now Sammy McKee, our producer, who's really P.K., just a nobody, (laughs) gets you to come on our show just like that. Uh, Explain. Kipper, can you guys hear me? <laughs> yes, we can hear you. Can you hear uh, us? Yes. First of all, it's great to hear Kipper's voice. So for the people listening, I've, I've known Kipper since, I mean, Kipper, how old? Six years old? I've got to be, what, six, seven years old? Buddy. Maybe a little bit older than that, So uh, in that range. I, I, he took credit for your Norris trophies. <laughs> <laughs> he did. PK, yeah. I, well, I, he wouldn't... He, Go ahead, go ahead, Chipper. Go ahead. I was just telling the boys about the Toronto Professional Hockey School, Chico. Yes. And I also told yes. them, I told them, if I had a nickel for every time I said, PK, stay in line, I'd have more money than you. <laughs> you and you and my power skating coach, Cam Brothers. Uh, probably, definitely. I had way too much energy as a kid, and my energy hasn't changed, if you can believe it. It's the same way it was when I was six or seven years old. So, I, you know, I always had that zest for life. 
but Chipper, we're here now. I'm finally, I'm finally on the show, so I'm happy to do it. I mean, uh, you know, I sort of took a break when I retired. I, uh, I didn't really want to do any interviews, to be honest with you. Um, the first one that I did was the Pivot Show uh, with Ryan Clark and RC and those guys, which isn't really a traditional uh, hockey show. Uh, more of a sports show, and my whole thing was to take the time that I wanted from away from the game and just enjoy uh, those first couple months of retirement. So, but I knew I'd get around to a kipper, and you know what? Uh, I'm happy that I'm here. So right. hopefully we can do this more often. I'm happy too, pal. Yeah, we're we're really uh, pleased to have you, PK. Uh, so, how are you enjoying joining the dark side here? You're in the media, uh, doing your thing with ESPN. How's it going? How are you uh, adjusting to this side? Well, I, you know what? I drew a, lo- a line in the sand. Uh, you know, I don't think I'm on the dark side yet. I'm not an insider. I'm not looking for scoops. I'm an analyst right now. So if I become an insider, then, you know, I think people could start calling me a scumbag, but I'm not an insider yet. <laughs> I'm just an analyst. So I'm not looking to break any news, just looking to call it the way that I see it. And I think that's something that everybody can respect. But I, I you know what? I, I, I enjoy it. Um, it allows me to be connected to the game and the players, which obviously, you know, any hockey player would love to be connected to the game. It's such an amazing game. And uh, I was very fortunate to have, you know, a 13 year career and uh, play with some amazing players. And now it's time for me to, to give back to the game some more and highlight the stars in the game and sell the game and, and help build and grow and be a part of that. Um and uh, it's exciting. It's exciting, the opportunity for hockey. I think hockey's got a tremendous feeling. So to be able to be a part of the broadcast team at ESPN, you know, along with Mass, Levy, Bucci, uh, Weeksy, Callahan, the whole list goes on, Emily Kaplan and the whole crew. Um, you know, Ray Ferraro does an amazing job, too. We got a really good team over there. And if I've missed anybody, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but we got a great team at ESPN, and I'm just happy to be a part of the team. We're talking to P.K. Subban, former NHLer, Norris Trophy winner. So, P.K., uh, of course, we've got Sportsnet uh, owning hockey up here, but on occasion we do get a telecaster too, as you mentioned, on ESPN. And just how's it working with my buddy Mess here? Every once in a while, do you get the look? Um, he's given me that look a couple times. Uh, <laughs> I think I may have gotten it off the air a couple times when I first <laughs> met Mess, and then I definitely got it on the air more than enough times. There's just times he looks at me, and you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of my dad. Every time I came around the table when grown-ups were talking and shut my mouth off, my dad <laughs> would give me this look, and he didn't have to say anything. And you know what? Believe it or not, my dad might be the only person in this world that can give me a look and, and my mouth instantly closes and it doesn't <laughs> open. It doesn't open after that. Mess has a similar effect. And you know what it is with him? It's just he commands so much respect. And I know Kipper, I know you respect the hell out of him, but so did all of his teammates. Yeah. And rightfully so. I never got to play with the guy, but I mean, to be able to work with him every day, I still pinch myself. Um, you know, listen, uh, we, we have a job to do at the end of the day, and I commit to the job, but uh, I, I don't know, man. The excitement that I have to go to work every day, a lot of it has to do with the people that I sit with. And, uh, I mean, Mark Messier, it's so funny because when I think of Mark Messier, I think back to that Lay's, those Lay's chips commercials that he had when I was like three or four years <laughs> yeah. old when he's playing for the Rangers. 
Like, that's how young I was. Like, that's how I remember him. You guys remember him on the ice, but I was so young. Like, I remember him winning the Stanley Cup, right, for the Rangers. And, like, I didn't realize how big of a deal it is. Now I live in New York City, you know, three-quarters of the year. And, you know, this guy is a legend. He's one of the best leaders in the game. You know, he's amongst the top leaders, you know, to ever play in the NHL. And to have him as a guy that I can learn from every day at work is pretty amazing. So, you know, but he still gives me that look every now and then, you know, you got to get checked in and he's not afraid to, he gives me that side eye and I pipe right down. So, you know, the deal. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> PK, uh, this weekend in Toronto, the all-star game is here. You yourself have been a three time NHL all-star. Uh, what are, do you, do you have a particular memory that stands out from your time at all-star games that you remember fondly? Yeah, every single one was surreal for me because, you know, no matter how how long you play in the season, no matter uh, what type of career you have, I'm sure Sidney Cosby has won the All-Star Games if he's been team, you know, cups he's got and individual awards. I'm sure he still has to pinch himself every time he comes to All-Star because you meet so many legends, so many great people that have helped build this great game. And that's what the All-Star Weekend is about, is celebrating the game. So, Every time I'm there, it's just a real experience. And, you know, it was the same thing last year. Being there, a part of the media, like, I'm sitting here being like, I'm on the ice, holding a jersey, you know, that Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin signed, and I'm interviewing both of them. Like, to me, you know, to be able to have that privilege, uh, that tricky in my media career, it was pretty special. So I look forward to those experiences again this year. And, um, you know, it's just, Every player's got to take it in because, you know, you know this. You look back at all the all-star games and all the basic players that come through the league. Um, this is a special weekend, and it should be taken for granted. Uh, enjoy it. Enjoy it with your family and friends because it's, it's a weekend you'll never forget. Hey, just one more for me because I, I'm not sure if uh, you're moving around or, or how our connection is, but I'm going to try to ask you one more question here. And that was your... Hey, hey. It was... You got me, PK? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I got you. I okay. got you. Listen, yeah. your, your, your decision to retire so early, do you know if you were playing right now, you and Chris Tanev would be the most sought-out defenseman uh, <laughs> coming up here in the next little while, man? You, you still had more juice, PK. Why did why, you give it up so early? Um, you know, it's, it was pretty simple for me, you know, um, I don't think anybody will ever kind of really understand it because, you know, they don't, they don't really understand, you know, what it's like. I don't, I don't imagine what it's like to walk in Tibby Cosby's shoes or Ovechkin's shoes. And I don't think anybody should try to put themselves in anybody else's shoes. But um, when it comes to my career and, where, you know, how I've approached it, I've always approached it a certain way with a certain amount of professionalism. And I've always earned my independence and wanting to do things the way that I feel they should be done. And, you know, and that's a lot of that is based on the guys that have taught me, you know, from when I was at the Toronto Maple Leafs hockey school and you got Nick Kiprios and Lanny McDonald and Doug Gilmore and Daryl Sittler and Johnny Bauer and these types of the people that, you know, are going to golf tournaments and golfing with Peter Mahovlich and Frank Mahovlich and, um, you know, all of these amazing hockey players that, you know, are a part of the culture and, and the history of this game. 
that have influenced me and, and my approach to the game. And if you can't have that same approach to the game, I don't want to play. And I think that for me, you know, I, I, I had every intentions to continue my career. I know I left probably four or five years left on the table, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I have a standard that I have to be a great teammate and I always want to be a great teammate. I always have been one. And, you know, to go to the rink and not be able to put the, you know, leave everything on the ice the way that you think that you should, rather than go and fight a coach and tell him I deserve more ice time or, you know, try to tell people what I think my value is. I'd rather just go down the road because the game has given me so much. I have so much uh, to thank the game and, and people in the game for that I'd rather have people remember the version of me that, that was happy, that enjoyed the game, that wanted to be there. And, um, you know, I never got any offers, guys. Like, you know, that whole summer, like, as much as I know, I can sit here and talk with you guys all day about teams that could use me on their blue line. But, you know, who does that help? You know, that, that certainly doesn't help me. You know, I've moved on. So, it, it, you know, anything that I do now is about the players playing in the game now. Um, you know, is it going to bother me knowing that I left years on the table? Absolutely not. Um, I think that it'll bother a lot of other people that maybe missed out on an opportunity to have me on their blue line, you know, with, with as somebody who'd been to one Stanley cup final lost to Sidney Crosby in game six, um, you know, in a situation where we were missing our number one center and our top goal scorer, you know, I can live with that. Um, I think that there's other people that, you know, have are in positions of power to make decisions, to acquire players that have to live with the fact that they didn't, you know, make an offer to me or, or bring me into training camp or give me a shot to, to help their team win a championship. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm a second half playoff guy. Uh, that was my only goal was to win a championship. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about anything like that. Um, and if you look at it, you know, players are making more money than they ever made. So you know, it's not about the money. It's it's about the opportunity. And I think people also have to see what you bring to the table. And I've never been in a situation where I got to sell myself to anybody, and I never will. If if you don't know what I can bring to your team, then, then you haven't watched the game enough. So, you know, for me, I'm very happy where I am now. I want to celebrate the game stars and the game itself and continue to help, you know, carve a new path for the game. And hopefully the game continues to grow and you know, the next generation of players have more and more opportunities, not just on the ice, but off the ice as well. And um, I think I can help be a part of that. Well, I got to tell you, PK, I've been around broadcasting a, a long time now. It's one of the best, most candid uh, answers I've ever heard uh, someone talk about retirement, man. Really spectacular. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And Kipper, you always know I'm going to give you one. So, oh yeah. Um, thank you for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. And, and God willing, I'll, I'll maybe bump into you. Guys oh no, this for so, sure. Okay. Don't be such a stranger All on right. the real Kipper and Bourne show. Thanks, PK. <laughs> All right, love you guys. Love yeah. you, Kipper. Appreciate it. Thanks, right. PK Subban. You know Damn. what? That was an unbelievable answer. Thank God the phone cleared up right when he was oh, giving yeah. it. I know. It was. It was because he swallowed it for a second, but he got it back yeah. in. He did digest it. It's, it is so hard. And I don't care if you're Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, PK Subban, Nick Kiprios, somebody you've never heard of, letting go of the game yeah. is like something dying inside of you. 
And you don't know who you are after. You've, you've well, always you, played. You, you, you got to, yeah, player. you do. You got to just, uh, it is just, uh, some, sometimes it's just gut-wrenching. Mm. But, you know, to listen to him articulate what he went through personally and just he had a standard in his head that if it was not meant, I will not let, as much as I love this game, I will not let it hold me hostage. Yep. And there are yep. some guys out there that will, like, s- sell their soul before they l- get kicked out of the league. Yeah. And I- it's crazy hearing that he didn't have an offer. He didn't have a team saying, come to camp. And, you know, I'm sure he has questions about why that was or, you know, what happened towards the end for him. You know, it's just for him to be able to make that clean divide and say, I'm not going to sit here and beg someone and try to prove myself, you know, given what I've done and what I've been in this game. Some guys do do that. And it's, and I'm not here to judge that it's wrong for you to do that. You're going to do whatever you want to do with your life. And there's some guys that are actually really good at reinventing themselves. Sure. When you've been a star for 10, 12, 14 years, and then you turn around and you're like, well, I still love the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have something it's, to give the game. That's time in Toronto. Listen. Dumping pucks in and me uh, and Pionk in the head. <laughs> Corey Perry things. was a 50-goal scorer, an MVP that went on to to do th- some some good things as a role player. Like, mm-hmm. there are guys that can still hold on and, about, and contribute. Uh, Cogliano P- in uh, Colorado still. But PK, didn't. he never saw himself like yeah. that yeah, and didn't want to do that, yeah. which, again, you have to respect that he wants to be remembered as the guy that uh, – the freshest memory of, of him playing was still as a fairly top guy, I mean, high-end guy. He was an absolute joy to watch play hockey. You know, like he was a personality. He was, you know, yeah. uh, offensive and talented, and yeah. he was just fun to watch. And, and through, the, through the clips I think of when I think of him. Uh, crushing Brad Marchand. And the goal he scored coming out of the penalty box against the Bruins in the playoffs. Don't know what year it was, but he had a breakaway. He came out of the penalty box. Backhand, forehand, goes five-hole on Tuka Rask and just does, like, the largest celebration yeah, of all time. he didn't do small celebration. No. <laughs> no. And I got to think the teams were were, were nervous about uh, the attention that he could well, draw. Well, and that's part of what it is, right? It's a big personality, and it's, do you want that if, if it's on your third pair? Is it, you know, do you want the attention, yeah. the action, the whatever? You know, and, and I like the PKs, like, you know, not going to apologize for being the guy he is and was. and Yes. Beat it. I'm going to go make more Correct. money on ESPN. Game Correct. time. It's game time. Presented by Bet365. Visit the app for latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19 plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Well, we're winding down the games that we have to talk about here, fellas. Uh, there's five left before the full all-star break kicks in. Uh, two games tonight. Neither of them, I would say, are uh, barn burners. <laughs> Uh, St. Louis, St. Louis and Columbus followed by Seattle versus the Sharks. Um, so get your popcorn ready for those ones tonight maybe, on Sportsnet. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> night to go, maybe, maybe for a night to go for a walk with your wife or something like that. Anyways, a uh, couple bets for those games. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets are limping into the break here. We know what's going on with Fantilli. We've heard about, uh, about line a and his struggles. You know, the Juracek just feels like they're a hurting unit and they need a break. Blues are kind of hot right now. 
So give me the Blues money line and a Shen goal, which pays plus 300. Uh, Shen's been hot, too. I think yeah. he's had three goals in his last five or four in his last five, so he's been on fire. And the second one I have is Vince Dunn and two assists and a Seattle money line plays plus 375. Sharks suck, and Vince Dunn gets a lot of assists. Uh, that's plus 375. That's the only way I could find any value for two huge favorites. So there you go. And uh, that was game time. Presented by Bet365, visit the app for latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19 plus, Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Love it. Thank you, Sammy. No problem. All right. Uh, just in the latest uh, on sportsnet.ca, there's a, a story up where uh, lawyers have released a statement on behalf of Devils forward Michael McLeod uh, confirming the charges uh, for sexual assault. And uh, they've also. Uh, also mentioned uh, that uh, he will be pleading not guilty and will vigorously defend the case. None of the evidence has been presented, let alone tested in court. So that's the latest on that. Thank you for the update. Yep, not a whole lot else that you can add to that at the moment, but there you go. Yep. Um, Borny, you've brought my attention to this article mm-hmm. today. <laughs> we have to do this. What article? Like I put it in the lineup. Uh, you just read the headline. It's from Mark Spector talking about the Oilers. Uh, read the headline. And McDavid see what... has hit a new level, even if the numbers don't show it. I think he might be a listener to our show. I, you know, we were saying, Kip, was like, this, this article. <laughs> Did I write is, it for him? It, exactly. <laughs> this is catnip for you. Right here. This is, <laughs> this is uh, written for you. How about this quote from Connor McDavid? Um, oh. I lost it. Oh, there it is. It's not one of those years where everyone's going to be writing about all these big numbers and stuff like that. But we've been there and done that, McDavid said. <laughs> it's about a part being a part of something, and I think it's a good thing that no one's writing about Connor McDavid and Le- Leon Dreisaitl that way. That being said, I think my game is another level to get to, and I know that would help the team as well. So it's evolving. Uh, we even have a like drop. That, honestly. We even it- have a drop that says, I'm evolving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is the most. Boy, stick with me. <laughs> oh boy! And I, it's not to underappreciate mm. what Austin Matthews is doing, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but right? It's, You've never said that without gotta, the but. Got to get to the point where th- this is maybe he's just another year behind that type of response from a uh, Connor McDavid. How much does this extend beyond Matthews to the other guys, to Nylander, to Marner, to Tavares, to those guys? Yeah. Uh, uh, distant second, third, yeah. and fourth. It has to start with Matthews. Matthews is the Leafs version of Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, he's what? your best player, right? He's your best player, and at, at but the in most, this article, he's talking most... about Drysaddle, who's 14th in scoring, and you know, I yeah. think, assume it's the same idea yeah. there. So we can we can kind of soft Marner for Drysaddle, yeah. right? Good passer, great passers, world class mm-hmm. passers, but your 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 head guy has to be that guy that yeah. sets the table, and Austin needs to. Share the puck a little bit more. Question for you. Uh, right now, the Vancouver Canucks have 71 points, 49 games played. Mm-hmm. The Oilers have 59 points. That's 12 fewer. 
45 games played, so four fewer yeah. games played. Let's say they win three of those four. Given their winning percentage, yeah. that's about fair. That puts them at 65 points, and that's six points behind Vancouver in same games played. That is mind-numbing. Yeah, I know. And by the Canucks are 8-0-2 in their last 10. Yeah. All they do is win. Yeah. So the Oilers conceivably could get to 6-4 behind, 6 behind, whatever, when the games played are even. Can the Oilers win the division? Oh, my Before this. Yeah, can they catch the... Because think of the difference. I mean, if, if they you win every night, second maybe. in the Pacific, you have to play Vegas or Vancouver. Uh-huh. That's your prize. If you win the division, you yeah. get oh, Nashville, St. Louis. Schedules yeah. will tighten up a little bit here. They're going to... I got to think Edmonton's going to hit uh, a, a speed bump somewhere. This, you know, Sam did highlight yesterday the Oilers' schedule has been softer. They've taken care of business. You can yeah. only beat the teams you play, yes. but it has been a softer run of games. They come back and play Vegas the the first game, you know, and and then it'll be interesting. I think it's a fair question, you know, that right now Vancouver is in their crosshairs. Like I said, twelve points back, and there's no given that you win the games uh, that you have in hand, but it's not done. If they get through the Golden Knights. They'll have the Ducks to set the all-time record. Wow. And then they go to the Kings, Red Wings, Blues, Stars, Coyotes. We'll play good teams <laughs> at some point? Bruins, February 21st. Right. Okay. Two hours, eh? Yes. Four guests on the show. Great guests. Including Hall of Famers, un- Norris Trophy, Insiders. Unreal and... interview with PK, boys. Yeah, it was really good. Not that he was really yes. good, dude. Oh, Great terrific. job, boss. And Yorkie, too, out of Ottawa. Let's not forget him. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you get a chance for a rating and review, let us know what you think of the real Kipper and Bourne show. We're back tomorrow.